Right. He says, I realize they need to help her. And then he takes out Twinkies. And I'm like, hey, man, if you are in the body of an anorexic, eating a bunch of Twinkies is not helping her. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, though, if David A.R. White was a food, I think he'd be Twinkies. He's like, <laughs> he's yellow and undercooked at all moments. No, I feel like that's, that's like a good representation of cream deep, filled. Deep inside, he's just really, really white. Yeah. Yeah, Got right. It. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, I would bite him. <laughs> God awful movie. Movie. Welcome back to the Gamcast, where each week we sample another selection from Christian cinema because the line at the suicide booth was too long. I'm your host, Noah Illusions, and sitting to my immediate left is my good friend, Heath Enright. Heath, welcome back. Thanks, Noah. You know who's a great actor? Who's that? David A.R. White. I think I like him now. I think I like him now. It's like a... It's like an Iacane powder situation. We watched like 27 of his movies now. I didn't die. Yeah. It's called Mithridatism. When you know uh, words like Mithridatism, you have to use them quick when you can. Mithridavism. And sitting, <laughs> and sitting no. 81 miles to my right is my bad friend, Eli Bosnick. Eli, how are you this fine afternoon, sir? I'm doing pretty contramprinin', Noah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or, as, or as a layman might call it, fine. <laughs> Very cromulent of you to say. So, Heath, tell us, what will we be breaking down today? Logophile. We watched <laughs> We watched Me Again. It's the story of a pastor coming inside a wealthy businessman, a baby, a fish, Della Reese, and a teenage boy. But it's not as good as it sounds, so don't get too excited. I love that you left out his wife. You had everyone in there except for his wife. He also comes in his wife. Does it's he? a Christian movie. <laughs> mm -hmm. And Eli, how bad was this movie? Well, if you loved It's a Wonderful Life and you have very similar tastes in porn to me, you <laughs> will love this movie. <laughs> this movie is so almost all the porn I watch. <laughs> <laughs> almost. Almost, yeah, yeah. They keep, It's all the opening scenes. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and of course, this was yet another chance to hang out with our good buddy David A. R. White. So, for those of you who express concern that we might one day run out of movies, try to do this every week, nope. we're a year and a half in and we still haven't even knocked out David A.R. White's filmography. <laughs> Are we even close? And we were like more than halfway there, I think. <laughs> well, a, lot of, a lot of TV movies we'd have to do to get all of it. So... For the newer listeners who are unfamiliar with David A.R. White's incredible range as an actor, I thought we could go back through all of his <laughs> movies that we've done. This is the 11th, by the way. This one is. And uh, and maybe you guys could offer the newer listeners like a like a quick summary of, of Davey's character in that movie. All right. All right. All right. So in order of the movies being made, we'll start with Second Glance. Uh, OK, Th that was Pale Friendless Virgin, the movie, right? Yes, that yeah. was it. And he plays um, Pale Friendless Virgin. Yeah, he did the eponymous character. And uh, Holy Man Undercover. Uh, the only Amish member of a boy band. <laughs> <laughs> it was dual roles, though. He had another role in there, too. That's true, that's true. <laughs> All right, smaller role here. How about The Encounter? Uh, didn't watch that one, and I refuse to look it up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, another minor role for him. How about Redeemed? I don't remember. <laughs> I saw it on his filmography. I was like, fuck, was he in Redeemed? I remember that movie. 
That was the one about the, the guy who... He's probably the pastor. <laughs> probably, yeah. All right, how about when we play a little more prominent in this one? How about The Encounter, Paradise Lost? Uh, okay, that's the one where he's the DEA agent who goes to Thailand and learns from Jesus Christ of Nazareth in a hotel lobby to stop hating drug dealers so much. Is that all right? <laughs> that mm-hmm. was, okay. Nailed it. Um, and uh, how about Brother White? Uh, Man's Burden. all right the first of his trilogy here how about revelation road the beginning of the end Uh, okay this is direct from the description on imdb please amidst foreboding lighting sick and tremors a traveling (laughs) salesman with a dark past must fight demons both his own and a murderous biker gang in his quest to complete his last sale and go home Demons, demons, including a biker. Anyway, yeah, okay. And of course, Revelation Road 2, The Sea of Glass and Fire. A Jason Bourne again. Again. <laughs> again, yeah, exactly. Uh, how about his probably his most famous work, God's Not Dead? Uh, that's the one where he's the pastor who really wants to go to Disneyland with his African friend. That's it. Yep. Yeah. How about Revelation Road? They, 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 they fucked the title up on this so bad. It's the third one, but it's just called Revelation Road, The Black Rider. Jack Reacher rounds are uh, forbidden. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, God's not dead, too. Uh, pastor who really, really wants to go to <laughs> Disneyland with his African friend. <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So now that we've got everybody caught up on David A.R. White, I guess I can simply ask if there's anything you guys want to nominate this for being the best at being the worst at. Uh, I'm going to say best worst Starting the YouTube file with 30 seconds of crazy loud dubstep music. <laughs> did you guys have the same copy as I yes, did? Yes, I did. I wanted to find someone ordering bottle service and punch him in the face. It was it was rough. <laughs> that was not the most crazy thing about this particular YouTube rendition. We'll get to it. Best worst at making me come. Because it kept <laughs> almost right. Okay. You're in the body of an old black woman and you know where to find your daughter, but you don't do anything with it. That's fine. We'll get to it. A lot. We'll get to it a lot. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) All right. I'm going to go with best worst subtle homage. All right. You know how sometimes in a movie when they know they're kind of ripping off another old movie, they'll like have somebody watching that old movie on TV or whatever to say like, hey, we know they do that in this movie, too. I'm not going to give it away yet, but it was one of the most spectacular childish moments I've ever seen in a Christian movie. And I love it so (laughs) goddamn much. Oh, yes. Obviously, we're all excited to cross off another item from the David A.R. White filmography, so we'll keep the break brief, and when we come back, we'll relive the how-can-it-be-so-long-and-still-only-90-minutes enigma that is me again. Hey, uh, God? Gabriel, what is it? Yeah, so, you know that atheist podcaster? We moved to a bunch of different bodies to teach him the meaning of life? Uh, yeah, yeah, Eli something, the, the mm-hmm. Jewish guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, well, uh, he didn't, he didn't learn the meaning of life. It didn't really didn't work. That usually does the trick. Uh, wh- whose body did you send him into? Uh, uh, we did a hot model, mm-hmm. his daughter's boyfriend, mm-hmm. and an old black lady. Huh. I mean, that's that's all pretty pretty standard playbook stuff. SOP. W- what went wrong? Uh, well, maybe you should just read the report. It's sure. Oh, uh, hit it here. It's, it's not great. Let's see. Oh. Oh fuck. Oh, that's fucking horrible. Send him back. Send him back to his body right now. Jesus. Eli, buddy, wake up. You you okay? 
Yeah, I'm I'm fine. I had a crazy, crazy dream. Guys, guys, you gotta see what this old black lady did on TV. It's fucking cool. amazing. Cool, yeah, coming right now. Frank War. Oh! Right on the hood of the car. God! <laughs> Good for her. <laughs> and we're back for the breakdown. And just so you can get some early use out of your Christian movie bingo card, we're going to start off with David A.R. White at the pulpit and apologizing to the congregation about something that may have just been a dream. Get three spots to start this fucking movie. <laughs> I just want to say I've given this look. I don't know if what was happened was real, but I'm sorry if it was speech a bunch of times. Amateur hour. That's all I'm saying. It's not doing it right. Also, if your opening line is, I'm not sure if it matters if my experience really happened or was a dream. I feel like that's proof you shouldn't be allowed to do your own thinking mm-hmm. or own also, a gun. Not promising. Also, David A.R. White not fucking this entire congregation so they don't have to hear about his dreams. Checkmate. <laughs> Don't listen to someone's dreams if you're not fucking them. <laughs> we also get some very disappointing opening credits here. We get uh, uh-huh. Ali Landry, that's former Miss America and A.C. Slater's wife for a day. Mm-hmm. Um, we got Tommy Blaze, I Already Hate You. It's a terrible <laughs> fucking name. And we get Bruce McGill. Yeah. Oh, fuck, that's Sheriff Farley from My Cousin Vinny. That's Jack Dalton from MacGyver. He's yeah, like oh, a he real actor. Yeah, yeah. No, I what? know. That's... That's pretty fucking Adela Reese. Yeah, I mean, yeah, she's already ruined. But yeah, I saw her name come across too. Yeah, Bruce, what was going on, man? Like, were you at a bed and breakfast for a weekend and you ran into David A. R. White and you didn't have a polite way to say no? He was just like, no, 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 don't finish your blueberry pancakes. It's two quick scenes, ten thousand dollars, and she was just like, it would pay for the vacation. And he was like, sure. I mean, who's gonna know? <laughs> We know We're going to know, Bruce. We know. <laughs> yeah, so basically he's saying, like, you know, I have to apologize to everybody, but I guess if I really wanted you to understand, I'd have to tell you this whole movie, whole movie, whole uh. movie. So now we get this uh, narrated flashback of his childhood where he explains that he, he met and fell in love with his wife at age five. That's disturbing. I, I did appreciate, however, that this kid does look an awful lot like David R. White. It's even got the Backstreet Boy hair. I just wanted I, I wanted to throw no, that out No, they did there. a great job. He couldn't speak at all. I mean, we don't learn yeah. that really until we come back to this late in the movie, but he doesn't understand the English language in any way. So, yeah, no, he was a good analog. And, and nonverbal. At, at this point, the narrator says, with women, there's always a catch. Mm-hmm. Like, sometimes they're five, I guess, <laughs> the catch. And, a, that, a, that is true. A predator. <laughs> <laughs> truer for some than others yeah so his five-year-old girlfriend proposes to him at a tea party and then we cut to the modern day he's still bitching in voiceover about this and of course this is the bill problem scene and the meeting of family in a kitchen scene so bingo already that's five yeah man we really got that out of the way but he's like the way to show that he's not having a good time is that his kids are just throwing Cheerios at his face. Yeah. And like, look, kids and Bill's like it, but you don't have to let your kids throw food at you, David A.R. White. You can tell them to cut it out. (laughs) He's also using a calculator in this scene, like a physical, like old school. Who uses a calculator at this point? What was he even adding there? Like you're checking the math on your bank website, but then do you check the calculator with an abacus after that? What? How many layers? It's, it's. I use a calculator. It's 
easier than a touchscreen on the waterbed. Anyway, so his, <laughs> his VO continues to whine about white people problems while he washes the car. And this is where we meet the hoodlum that's fucking his daughter. Oh, this young buck. Yeah, Zach Efron pulls up while he's <laughs> washing his minivan. He's pretty pissed about it. Yeah, yeah. And I, I just want to point out that this is we've done several movies in the last few weeks where like the guy and the girl just don't match in hotness at all. Like this, this kid is, is pretty hot and the daughter that he's dating, not so much. Ooh, I like the daughter. I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> disagree. Still had a little bit of baby fat on her. Nice. <laughs> Mm. Wow, this mm. is getting uncomfortable. So, uh, no, it's fine. The actress is 14. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me for respecting our listeners in Kentucky. <laughs> Send me pictures of your child brides. <laughs> Just spoiler, this plot thread continues a little bit. Like, I won't say how, but they address the thought that David R. White just had, which is clearly like, man, I wish I could fuck my teenage daughter. <laughs> In my Camaro. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he pulls up in this Camaro and we're very clearly supposed to be like, ooh, Camaro. And it's like, oh, really got some Zales jewelry for her in that fucking Camaro? <laughs> he does have a, uh, a Zales pair of handcuffs hanging off the uh, rear view mirror there. So, yeah, there was. A, a, and then, of course, they actually like play this out with like a like an old West stare down. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's got the I'm so going to fuck your daughter look on his face. Really wanted like a yeah. giant piece of tumbleweed to smash into one of them, just blast him out of the frame, or like gets caught around his face. He's like, "Ow, ow, get it off! It's around my whole f ow." I don't know. Just someone raping a robot in the background. <laughs> that's a that's, that's a Westworld reference. Uh, but I understand why everyone on this call just assumes I would say those things. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and okay, so now we cut to him at the working at the Christ Community Church where he's the pastor. And the voiceover is still going at this point. So we've apparently established that he's got a miserable life because he's got three healthy children, a home, a car, a job. Poor guy. But he doesn't like them. No. <laughs> he so. wanted a better wife and car. Oh, and he's married to a former Miss America too, yeah. But I guess she wants a separation they're not going to say the d word at this point but she wants a separation because he's such a whiny loser and this is the scene where he's like in his office pissing and moaning and and doing all the hungover behaviors because i think the people who wrote this movie think that like people who are sad need like Alka-Seltzer and aspirin. <laughs> they don't understand that those are indications in another movie of hard drinking. Because we never see him drink. He just really needs Alka-Seltzer. Right. <laughs> so his, his buddy comes in and he's like, here, have some calamari, which is totally Delicious. normal and healthy. Absolutely. For breakfast. Food. I don't know why. For breakfast, yeah. No, no, why? All times of day. But he says to his buddy, he goes, I don't know, man. I've been preaching every day, year after year, and nothing's changed. And I wrote, what did he want to change? Do you want like a Muslim week where everyone <laughs> came in in a job? <laughs> the Bible the doesn't, gig, man. Bible doesn't update like Windows. It's going to be yes, ballpark yeah, the same just, preacher job for your whole career. For 2,000 years, bro. But basically the message is he's saying to his 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 friend, I'm really bad at my job. And he's, his friend's like, yeah, no, you suck at it. So uh, eat your calamari and go preach to people. And this is, by the way, the best performance in any movie David will ever give. Oh, is when he's like, <laughs> I'm a loser and I don't I feel like I could have been better or and I just 
fucking suck. And you're like, cut. And he's like, no, keep rolling. I need to get this out. I oh, God, need to when, get it out. When he turns to his buddy and he goes, do you ever wish you were someone else? It's just like, yeah, that is the most believable line delivery in his career. Exactly. Yeah. So, and then his buddy leaves, and this is where we meet Bill and Maggie. They come in with their baby, and I guess Bill, the husband, is pissed off at the baby for not getting a job. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't know the baby was going to cost that much, but, and he's like, fucking, you always take the babies, and it's supposed <laughs> to be comedy, but like, a guy who's mad at his baby isn't fucking funny. No. He's just like mad at his wife for a the existence of their baby and and David R. White again in comedy is supposed to be like well I don't know what to tell you baby is as baby does suck it boom <laughs> David out and then he passes out and shits himself but it's just, you just see this adorable little baby being like oh I'm getting shook I am getting shook she's gonna do a paint night and I am gonna bounce the inside of my brain across the front of my soft skull like a goddamn basketball <laughs> Like I'm playing ping pong with myself. <laughs> and look, I mean, th and again, this is played as a comedy beat. And it's this couple that goes seeking a marital advice from an untrained divorced pastor. And tee hee, he has nothing useful to tell them. You've just like basically taken all of the air out of your religion with a comedy beat. Yeah. Can we get some of the money back that we've been giving you this whole time for our kid? No, <laughs> absolutely no, no, no refunds. And now it's time for our... Maybe if I fuck it in a few years. <laughs> oh, God, dude. What, they don't do that? They don't do that? <laughs> no, I'm just... Because I'm so glad you gave us a few years. Just describe so, shaking the baby to death again. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Let's out. not go overboard. Imagine wet maracas. <laughs> We're never getting back to this scene. <laughs> so now, we can, two of them. <laughs> you gotta have twins for that. Yeah, to really pull that off. So, it, it, but you know, I'm afraid Donald Trump is gonna hear that and say, "See, that's why I'm building the wall." <laughs> so now we get our 1100th bad pastor pasting badly scene, where they have to pretend that you can fuck up standing there and lying to people about shit. Yeah. And he's delivering the sermon like his mom like just forced him to do it as a punishment. Like he's like, "Fucking, I'll give the sermon, nah, fine." <laughs> and he he just screams the story of the prodigal son like a homeless person. Yeah, I wanted him so badly to end it with because he ends it with "Life is unfair." Get used to it or whatever. That about covers it. Mm -hmm. And I wanted him to just take out a t-shirt gun and shoot himself <laughs> under the chin. <laughs> An opening, a wet opening arguments t-shirt just splattered <laughs> against the back wall. And this is also where we first meet the ex-wife who's like there at the church, really embarrassed that he exists or whatever. And this is the first time we see how incredibly crazy hot she is. That'll be basically the only thing that makes me like gets me through this movie. She is drop dead gorgeous. And he looks yes. like Zach Morris got devolved by Bowser. <laughs> <laughs> so now we, we cut to late that night. He's watching television. Now, this is my favorite homage of all time. Because the whole plot of this movie is lifted directly from Quantum Leap. So he's watching Quantum Leap on TV, but they couldn't afford to use an audio clip from Quantum Leap. So they present the two voices like a child playing with two army men where he's going, Sam, how come I haven't left yet? I'm working on that 
other character. Okay, we'll be back to Quantum Leap in just a minute. That's what we actually get. It's amazing. Also, he's looking at the vacation brochure that he was looking at in the flashback (laughs) where the kids were throwing Cheerios at him. So we're supposed to just assume that he either, A, keeps this brochure in perfect condition for all time, or they send him that brochure like once a week. They're just like, hey man, this beach is still here. If you ever want to go. Who looks at physical travel brochures? What year? It's 2012, right? Yeah. No and Lucinda. No and Lucinda. That's her. (laughs) We don't do that. They so, take them out of a file of fact. <laughs> what about this one? Oh, Yugoslavia. That seems nice this time of year. Bring up the microfiche oh. of all the different beaches I we know. I don't take vacations. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, and, and and also on the TV that we get uh, Andrea Logan White doing the perfume ad. Subtle. <laughs> He's, yeah. just, just for the record, David A.R. White is supposed to be getting tempted away from Ali Landry, Miss USA, by Andrea Logan White, his actual wife. Like, definitely, she, like, in her Ugh. rider or something. Yeah, no. A tremendous amount of this movie was written by her walking in the room, just as David Har White goes, and we're going to need a model. And she walks in, and he's like, ha, which will obviously be her. <laughs> <laughs> obviously. <laughs> and everyone else in the room was like, David, and he was like, no, not now. Not there is an now. enormous amount of this movie that is devoted to how thin his wife is. Thin and beautiful yeah, uh, his wife is. Nobody can mention her at all without talking about how hot she is. But yeah, but very specifically, she's crazy thin in this movie. They always show her in baggy clothes, I guess, so that that won't be really obviously silly. And then after her commercial for the um, perfume comes on, we see an infomercial where Big Earl wants to offer him a new life. But he turns it off. But it comes back on. But then he turns it off again. And it stays off this time. The magic overrides the remote control once. Once? That's all he gets. Yeah. Just yelling at an angel. Seriously, can we get it back on? No, Man, I am completely out of juice here. (laughs) Maybe if someone would fucking pray once in a while, I am just, I am out of this. Also, by the way, Big Earl, anagrams to Gabriel. Yes, I saw that on the... Single trivia Super thing on IMDb. Super clever thing that they do. You'll hey, see. I gotta say, from from the people that brought us Mr. DeVille, I think that's pretty goddamn clever. I'll give them that one. Downright fucking Shakespearean. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> now the family's having dinner at an Italian restaurant. I say the family, it's just dad and the kids. And his children absolutely hate him and are humiliated by his existence. So he's a method actor. Yeah, the point of this scene is supposed to be like... Uh, Things aren't going too well at home, but it's about as subtle as a dick pic to a stranger. Yeah. Because he's like, so how's school? And his son's like, how come you always ask me about school, fuckface? (laughs) (laughs) We cut the mundane chit chat, dad. Let's get real. I'm 10. Let's talk about this. It's a really weird exchange. (laughs) Yeah. And then this is also like uh, his his daughter's texting and he's like, hey, Briar, you want to talk? She's like, fuck you. You name me Briar. I will never forgive you. (laughs) She'd come, I'm going to jump into your boyfriend's body and fuck the shit out of you. What? Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. Later. Spoiler. I'm going to go get triple teamed in college by Chad, Brock, and Tanner. Somebody right. with very similar names. <laughs> so, yeah. So, nobody's happy with dinner, especially since they're feeding them tripe and mongoose sauce or something. What the hell? I have no idea what this was supposed to be. So, first of all, spoiler alert. These characters will only eat at this restaurant. These characters inhabit a 
terrifying HP Lovecraft universe where they can only eat Italian food. There's just like wet marinara sauce leaking bloody between the cracks <laughs> in the fucking ceiling for these characters. <laughs> but this is the first time they're eating there and it, the kids don't like the food and the friend character comes over and he goes, oh, that's tripe and mongoose marinade. And what? the kids are like, ew. But like, why? Why you got to punk the kids? Yes. What do the kids do? They're clearly trying to get that family to stop coming to that fucking restaurant. Yeah, we put some goddamn stomach lining in your kid's fucking plate, and you're still coming back. What the hell's wrong with you? You said we can eat for free. Jesus. All right, you know what? Next week, I'm just going to shit in your food. Sounds great. <laughs> yeah, no, we. this is this is uh, the dishwasher. We call him Mongoose. So they leave there, they pull up at mom's house and all the kids storm off hatefully and his son doesn't even want to go to the game place he likes to go to with him because he hates him so much. <laughs> and I feel like David R. White couldn't think of Dave and Busters or whatever the Christian version of that is because he was like, do you want to go to the uh, video game location? <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel like you're an alien in a person body. That's fair. It's a fair criticism. I get that a lot. Of my sentence. <laughs> And he's like the terrible divorced dad or separated dad at this point, trying to get like information out of the kid now too. He's like, so like, does mommy hang out with a lot of, uh, like, how would you describe the skin color of the people mommy hangs out with now? Dark. 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 Like meat. Like hands up, don't shoot. Like dad. which of these paint chips? <laughs> Burnt sienna. <laughs> yeah. So he's like asking, uh, He's like, so where's where's your mom at? And luckily for him, she's cleaning out the garage to make it into an art studio. And, and by the way, this is not a, a Christian movie trope specifically. This is just a movie trope. Movies don't have anything for mothers to make rooms into other than studios. They Ever. can't think of any other use a mom would have for a room. Art studio, photography studio, something like that. Anyway. So and then, of course, like so he goes to confront his wife and this is where we get the whole you can't finish anything. Why look at that playhouse that you'll finish in act three that you never finished for the children. And he's like, so would you say our entire marriage is fixed if I build that? And she'd be like, oh, yeah, <laughs> oh, for, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Couple nails and some plywood and I am yours. <laughs> <laughs> she also says here that they're roommates. And I just want to point out this isn't just in movies. This is just generally true roommates is code for not the right kind of fucking david r white doesn't get that hint but just if you ever hear it someone means not the right kind of fucking they want you to put stuff in their butt or put stuff in your butt ask them they'll tell you i've been advised to cut in here and say that you want to be very specific in assuming that people want you to put stuff up their butt um you want to make yeah, sure some you roommates get some kind don't of like that some do it's important <laughs> to ask <laughs> correct Especially if you're sharing a room at ReasonCon. I don't want to get into this. <laughs> Sell us your drugs while we fuck you at ReasonCon. <laughs> There's going to be so little Lyme disease there. So, And then we close this scene off like she's painting a picture of the family, but she left the part where he was just blank. It's like, why am I not in the picture? She's because you don't want to be in the picture. <laughs> it's the weirdest <laughs> passive aggressive thing, thing to in the world. Yeah. Like if Noah was mad at me and I just wasn't in an episode of camp. <laughs> yeah, I just didn't think you really wanted to contribute to the show anymore. So, yeah, Heath had a lot to say. And doesn't put stuff in people's butts without asking. <laughs> so late that night, he's watching TV again and they give you the perfume 
commercial joke again, in case you didn't get it the first time. The perfume is called obnoxious. <laughs> yeah. And then Big Earl's commercial comes on and he turns it off and he goes, huh, he sure is persistent. What? And I'm like, what? no, he has a commercial. <laughs> McDonald's isn't real persistent. They have commercials. Do you think the TV is talking to you? <laughs> <laughs> and why wouldn't he think Andrea Logan White was also persistent with her perfume? I mean, it's, it's the same shit every time. Anyway, yeah. So he turns the TV off again. It comes back on, but again, only once. And so he calls up Tony and he says, hey, man, bring some DVDs to cheer me up. And it's not the right kind of DVDs to cheer a person up that he brings. I'm just going to go ahead and give you that spoiler. We won't find out until months later, but uh, I have never maybe this is just me. I have never called a fellow grown man and been like, hey, man, come bring things to my home and cheer me up. Without that being code for let's have sex to porn. <laughs> right? Well, that's, Is this a thing people do? I mean, I feel like that. I felt like that's where it was going and maybe that's where Tony thought it was going. But we'll get to it because we don't actually wrap that up until the very end of the movie. So he wanders because apparently they're going to watch TV in the church. So he wanders down to the pews uh, uh, amid like super creepy music. Crazy murdery music when he yeah. walks like like. <laughs> Halloween, Jason, weird. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why. And there's also a giant spotlight that they keep on the cross. Is that a normal thing in churches? Is uh, like yeah. a flag? It's like the Hanukkah candles it burns your <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? And though, so he sits down in the pews. Do they? They don't burn. They burn. Any- that's a fire hazard. They, you never let Hanukkah candles go out. That's the miracle. Oh, is that it? No, you so, don't know. So if they if they all go out, what happens? Judaism ends. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm Jesus upsetting our Jewish back. listeners so much right now. Shut Let up. me explain. Hanukkah was the original king of Israel. <laughs> so- and- <laughs> Do you guys all just like disappear like back to the future when the last one goes out? What happens? Uh, yes. If you ever see a candle flicker near me, I start to fade <laughs> out of any photographs that exist in me. <laughs> All right, I demand evidence. But at any rate, so yeah, he's <laughs> David Ayer. When we last left David Ayer White, he was in a pew praying about what a loser he is, um, <laughs> and just crushing it. He is. Again, he is. David R. White is not a good actor. It's just a man talking. It's real rough. <laughs> yeah. It's real rough. It's not a fun watch, people. No. Yeah. She's like, I want you to help me be the better me that I could be, and and. And a, a premise that'll fill about 60 pages would be great <laughs> for this part. Stupid. Yeah, so David A.R. White relives his career choices into the camera for a little while. And then he prays to God that he could be anybody except him. And then we get magic, creepy miracle noises. Ooh. And then he wakes up, or does he, to a knock on the door at the church. Because I guess he fell asleep sitting in a pew. Right, and he, he turns around, and behind the door, there is very clearly a giant light. And he goes, Tony? And I go, is Tony a giant light? <laughs> right. <laughs> so he walks up to the door, he opens it, giant blinding white light, and then he wakes up in a different body to Della Reese calling him Mr. Bastion. <laughs> yeah. Great for premise, and apparently God was like, uh, racist quantum leap? Is that what it is? <laughs> cool. There you go. Delores is your maid. Yeah. Say something racist. <laughs> Just wanted to take a shit in his food at some point. <laughs> also, 
Della Reese looks fucking insane in this movie. Della Reese appears to be wearing Donald Trump's toupee. <laughs> but just like over her hair. Like she showed up on the first day of shooting and they were like, Della, what's with that? And she was like, touch it again and I'll stab you in the fucking throat. And they were like, all right. <laughs> That's what Della Reese looks like in this movie. I guess so. So he- Nobody moved too quickly around Della Reese. <laughs> So then he gets, he, you know, he has the whole moment like the the I woke up as a different person and I don't know how to handle it moment. So he runs into the bathroom and he's looking in the mirror and in the mirror he can see what he looks like to everybody else for but, but, 11 and a half minutes. Seriously, this mirror scene, first of all, they do it wrong. They never show him looking in a mirror with the old guy looking out. Mm-mm. They just show him and then the old guy staring straight into the camera and then him and then the old guy. But they do it for an infinite amount of time. <laughs> it's amazing. It's like me trying to figure out this shot with an iPhone, just like, ah, <laughs> selfie mode, not selfie mode, <laughs> selfie mode. Right, and I, I want to point out that the, the end result of that is that you don't see like, David A.R. White waving his hand as the old guy waves his hand. You see David A.R. White waving his hand, and then you see the old guy doing something else. And they keep going back and forth. Like, if they go fast <laughs> enough, you'll be seeing them at the same time. He's like, but they are both wearing red pajamas. Well, that's true. <laughs> he's kinda, it's kind of like he's fighting himself in the mirror like a dog who doesn't get how that works. And he's just like, doesn't know what to do. I would have watched a lot more of that instead it's, of the rest of this movie. Well, that's true. Yeah. yeah no, exactly. That's right. Um, it's all about, it's all relative. So, and Della's freaking out because he's freaking out. So she calls the doctor, but he runs outside to get in his limo because he's rich. Yeah. Jumping into limos to escape the black person chasing you. Day in the life, you know, how it goes. <laughs> so, okay. And so he jumps in the limo and, and the limo driver drives off in a hurry. The limo driver is standing outside holding his door when Della Reese runs out saying, but Mr. Bastion, I got to give you your heart pills. And the limo driver's like, fuck, let's go. Let's go. Is he go, in the go. will? We can end this. We yeah, can end right. This. <laughs> Luckily, I'm named in the life insurance. Yeah. <laughs> so, and of course, Tony, the guy who owns the restaurant, the buddy that brought Calamari to our hero, he's in the limo too. So, part of his job is picking Tony up in his limo. And hey, spoiler alert every fucking time David A.R. White jumps bodies in this goddamn movie, he will have the exact same conversation with everyone. He will never realize he has changed bodies. <laughs> he will never understand how to explain himself to anybody. <laughs> he will have this identical fucking conversation. So if you like this, if this is your idea of comedy, guess what? You got like 85 more versions of this. <laughs> and, just, and it's random because sometimes he seems to know he's in the body and then other times he doesn't. And yeah, and and just to, just to keep you guessing, they also sort of randomly show either him or the other character that he's supposed to be just you know it's not like in quantum leap where it's always scott bacula unless he's looking in a mirror or something they just randomly do it in this movie just to try to keep you uh off kilter i guess yep and sometimes it's his voice sometimes it's their voice who the fuck knows yeah and also why wouldn't he just explain to tony what was going on he does eventually uh but yeah but first he has to have a heart attack and die. <laughs> right. He has a heart attack and and dies, and that makes him jump into a different body. But not before Tony shoves a heart pill down his throat. Are there heart attack pills? Bypass that I pills. Out on? Bypass pills. Oh, yeah. yes, yes. What are we doing? A triple here? Three pills. You're, you're good. <laughs> Little robots that go in. Yeah, he starts having the heart attack, and they pull the limo over to the side of the road. 
That is not the correct response to a heart attack. Keep, drive to the hot. What's happening? Like, have him jump out and do 20 push-ups. That'll help. <laughs> so, tell him to walk it off. And Okay, so yeah, so this guy dies, and then he quantum leaps into a model's body, a lady model who, you know, like models do, sleeps in high-heeled shoes. On her couch. So he can have the funny dressed. falling down in a skirt moment. Ugh. And this apartment, by the way, is just a series of what Andrea Logan White thought were glamour shots. It's just a bunch of like blown up versions of her headshot poster <laughs> size that they got in the least expensive frames they could find at Michael's. It's real a bummer. <laughs> and this is where we start with the my wife is so thin thread of the movie. He wakes up and he's going, oh, I'm so hungry because I'm a model. So let me go find some food. But instead, all he can find are these little post-it notes that she's placed everywhere about what a horrible person she is. Yeah, she's just got <laughs> hundreds of post-it notes that are like, note to self, go fuck yourself. <laughs> I wanted so bad for those to turn out to be like the notes her mom leaves. <laughs> We're just assuming this was her, yeah. And again, what year is this? You can easily do this paperless at this point. Right. Just like Siri and Amazon Echo being like, you're the worst. <laughs> Would you like to hear why you're the worst? Oh. Yeah. So, of course, as she's looking for food, he's, she's looking for food. Uh, she gets a call from her agent telling her not to be late to the photo shoot. And then he calls Tony because he has to explain the plot to Tony again. We're going to do this for the second time in the last five minutes. Um, but, of course, he has a lady voice. So he has to convince Tony that he's his best friend by telling him about the time they shove frogs in some kid's pants. I feel like that kid's traumatized. He's just sitting at some point in this movie going like, oh, but God intervenes in his life. That's great. That's good. <laughs> I get it. Or that kid's really into frogs now. <laughs> One of those kids is on this call. I'm not saying. <laughs> Could be both. <laughs> so, yeah, he, he, so he goes to meet with Tony in Andrea Logan White's body. I'm glad that caught up with you. Um, and uh, and of course, he, the opening line of this scene is Tony looking at him going, you do realize you look like a beautiful woman. And I'm just like, I bet Andrea wrote, wrote beautiful in there with a red pen. Like, I bet that's not how the line was originally written. She just interrupts them. I'm so sorry, guys. Beautiful woman. Be was the <laughs> not woman. Beautiful woman. It's in my writers. So just... And, and 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 yeah, so the, it, it's so funny because Tony wants to fuck David Ayer White as a lady. Yeah, you want to fuck your buddy yeah. in a woman's body. I think we've all been there. I think we've all been there. Sure. <laughs> but you still Sometimes have to ask permission. No. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, wear the exactly. It's the whole thing. So, <laughs> so, and Tony's trying to help him figure out what's going on. So he's he's got a stack of movies, I guess, that he's he's like rooting out the plots of these various movies. So he's like. Have you had a recent encounter with a genie or a leprechaun? And then he's like, no. And he like throws away a pile of DVDs. They don't watch the DVDs. He just brought a whole bunch of them to put them in piles and then sweep them off the desk. Right. He was going to narrow it down like <laughs> via a series of questions, <laughs> like 20 questions. Yeah, no, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. But as well have like yarn and push pins and a glass wall with <laughs> equations on it. <laughs> We got this. We got this. So you yeah. go right in my window and chalk. And so now David A.R. White has to explain act of one of this movie at length to his buddy. We get the whole explanation here. They don't just like cut ahead to him having explained it or anything. And that's when Tony figured out the real problem is he prayed to be someone different. It was Jesus magic. 
Oh. Which means the answer to his situation <laughs> is the movie It's a Wonderful Life. That's the only mm. movie about Jesus magic or divine intervention. Uh, yeah, clearly. I just wanted him to yeah. be like, yeah, but you don't know the question yet. You have to build another computer. Yeah. <laughs> and and then this has my, I think my favorite David A.R. White line of all time at the end of this scene, he goes, cause he's like, Oh, this must be Jesus who did this. Cause you prayed. He's like, I'm a man of God. I don't believe in magic or fantasy. <laughs> Amazon echo. You're stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and Noah wrote, should I tell him? And I wrote, should Noah tell him? <laughs> <laughs> also, I, uh, this movie has nothing to do with It's a Wonderful Life. Quantum Leap, yes, kind of. It's a, How does that, why does that factor in? How does, okay, anyway. <laughs> nope, no, all right. there's no way. <laughs> all right, as long as we're all agreed on that. And of course, his ex-wife, we, we go back to the ex-wife in the kitchen, and she also stares at the identical beach printout longingly from time to time. As right, we see the full size magazine about this one beach. <laughs> Their mutual life goal is to go to Sandals. Right. That's the saddest thing about this movie. Anyway, yeah, so she she longs to go to the beach and sadly moves dishes around and we're done with her now. Uh meanwhile, back at the model's house, he brought groceries and eats a bunch of Twinkies. Right. He says, I realize they need to help her. And then he takes out Twinkies. And I'm like, hey, man, if you are in the body of an anorexic, eating a bunch of Twinkies is not helping. Her. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, though, if David A.R. White was a food, I think he'd be Twinkies. <laughs> he's like, he's yellow and undercooked at all moments. No, I feel like that's, that's like a good representation of cream deep, filled. deep inside. He's just really, really white. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, I would bite him. <laughs> So while he's eating the Twinkies, he gets a pie. call from his agent <laughs> um, and he's he's supposed to be at the shoot. Damn it. Um, so and this is I think the whole point of this fucking movie was this David A.R. White in drag montage. He can't he, figure out how to dress like a lady. <laughs> Silly. Amazing. <laughs> I feel like his wife was just clearly got tired of him doing this in real life. I was like, make a fucking movie about it. Then you keep stretching my shit out. Like <laughs> fine, we'll, we'll dress like a lady. You, you'll, you'll do it too. Whatever. Right. We have 75 minutes of footage. Like, let's just do it. <laughs> Stop hiring camera and sound people. So <laughs> you always say we're going to fuck afterwards, but then you're all tired. So now he gets to the photo shoot, but he still can't walk on heels and his makeup is all funky. Yeah, his makeup is like the Joker. <laughs> yeah. like, look, I don't know how to do makeup, but I wouldn't be like, pretty baby gets lipstick on the chin. <laughs> it's like the Joker became a prostitute later in life. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Kind of like what I bet Heath Ledger looked like that when they found him. <laughs> Too soon. So, yes, yeah, I don't think <laughs> it. I feel like it's been and and so, okay, so they take him in the back to do his makeup, which is, you know, like, yeah, they do that at the shoot. You're yeah, fun fact about modeling. I mean, not a modeling pro here, but they uh, they do your makeup for you and usually give you the clothes to wear. They're not just like, yeah, wear a hat. <laughs> <laughs> so, and of course, we also have to learn here that, she, you know, he's starting to feel dizzy because he's in her body and she's a drug addict because she's a model. <laughs> yeah, the 
the agent comes in and gives him like a grocery bag of cocaine. Yeah. That apparently all models need before they have their picture taken. <laughs> Clearly. Also, and then this is one of those like, have you not figured it like Look, this character has dressed up as a woman and at least attempted to put on makeup. We have clearly established he knows he's a lady now, but then he calls his wife's house to talk to his wife as him. Yeah. Why? Again. Yeah. He just randomly forgets, like, the plot of the movie. I guess. He (laughs) is working. It's fucking nuts. (laughs) Yeah, but I guess this was just a sloppy way to move the, the story over to the mom for a little while. Because, you know, they have to have her, like, bitching to the daughter about how dad always breaks his promises. Yeah. Yeah, she's basically like, he promised me. Who? Pencil dick? I mean, dad. Dad. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, honey, I'm sorry. And she's like, I'm going to fuck Colin so hard. What? Nothing? Nothing. (laughs) (laughs) So now we, we cut back to the photo shoot proper. And we get some more great him being a lady comedy during the photo shoot. Now... The key comedically in a story like this is you put people in in situations where you're like, oh, wow, you'd need some specialized knowledge for this and you wouldn't have the specialized knowledge. That ought to be funny. But like knowing that you don't like he seems to think the camera is attacking him or that it's going (laughs) to eat him, like not knowing how to take get your picture taken. It would be funny. Like you could make this funny if you had a funny person doing it. If Eli did this bit, it would be fucking hilarious. But he's just like holding his hands in front of his face. Yeah, he's like a vampire and the camera's made of garlic. Right. <laughs> also, they let him in because he's nouveau garbage toxic word salad word salad. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Postmodern nouveau enviro garbage toxic greenhouse. Uh, I'm sorry. Heroin chic. Heroin chic raw yeah. postmodern nouveau enviro garbage toxic greenhouse. That is yeah. a fun tab on Pornhub. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. It's mostly me. Yes. <laughs> so, of course, but but like he gets it accidentally gets it right because she's so unorthodox and the photographer loves it. And then because she's afraid of the camera and it's attacking her with light flashes... She has a heart attack? A drug attack. She dies of a a drug drug attack, I do believe. A a drug attack and dies. And the photographer is like, oh, man, if she's... And they're like, is she dead? And she's like, if she is, these pictures will be worth a fortune. And I was like, wow, gross. But also, I'm going to need some copies of those pictures. (laughs) (laughs) I have very specific tastes. How do you record a clip from YouTube? I'm just asking for (laughs) friends. You guys know how to do that? I'm not going to tell you. Yes. So now he 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 <laughs> leaps away again, and this time he comes back as a fish. He's a fish at the Italian restaurant. Best performance in the movie is this fish. It really is, though. The, the, you can buy the whole time that this fish is very concerned about his family. Yeah. <laughs> More so than you can from David A.R. White. And you remember the part in uh, It's a Wonderful Life when Jimmy Stewart's a fish? Yeah, it's, it's, it's just it's like, like that. that. Clever. Okay, so now he is a fish looking at his family having a conversation because apparently the fish can hear the conversation outside of the aquarium or whatever. And he says, to, oh, man, I'm a fish. Boy, it sure sucks to be a fish. And then he starts trying to call out to his wife and his daughter. Again, like he just he's like, oh, I'm right here. I'm your dad. It's me. It's me. Don't you recognize me? It's like, no, man, you're a fucking fish. Yeah, you know that you're the one who told us. Anyway, Ugh. yeah. And of course, the the conversation that the kids are having are, we sure miss daddy. Um, so it's not that they don't like dad. They just hate everybody. These right. kids are 
just little shits. They just don't like anyone they're in the presence of. And this conversation with her children makes mom want to push him harder. Oh, dude, there are so many damaging messages about relationships just tied up in this one little bit where the kids are like, you know, why is taking time apart good for a relationship? And the mom's just like, oh, I have no answer for that because I'm it's a Christian movie and I'm not allowed to say any of the many good answers to that. (laughs) (laughs) And then she's like, well, I just had to push your father and now it's time to get a little rough with him. I'm like, hells yeah, all right. Yeah, but I get it. It's about breathing. <laughs> Forget that stuff we said about butts at the beginning of the show. Forget it. <laughs> Listen to me, Miss America. Forget it. And now we, okay, so he jumps out of the fish, and now he quantum leaps into a baby. Okay, now I want to say at this point, the little girl like knocks on the fish tank, and he was like, no, don't do that, don't do that. And, it, and I thought the fish died mm-hmm. because- the old guy died and then the model died and then the fish died. When he jumped in the baby, I was like, holy fucking shit. Is this baby going to die? <laughs> right. And they, and they sell it like that's what's going to happen. Bill is so going to hit that child, right? This is Bill and Maggie from the exposition and, and he's their baby. And like, he's crying in the middle of the night. And basically like the dad comes in and is like, can I just beat it until it's unconscious? And the mom's like, no, don't beat it until it's unconscious. I watched this entire scene being like, oh, no, dead baby, dead baby scene. <laughs> Don't do it, David. Dark. <laughs> but dad wanders off to go to bed and mom feeds him. We all have a breastfeeding note in our notes, I'm assuming here. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah but she pulls out a bottle. It's a fucking tease. Hold on. Is, is this the second movie that we've seen David A.R. White breastfeeding as a grown man, or at least that was implied? Well, yeah, it's a bit implied. We haven't seen it yet. That's He's saving that for God's Not Dead 3, clearly. But yeah. It's the second movie we've reviewed. It's not the second movie we've watched. <laughs> that is a very interesting tab on Pornhub. <laughs> so, oh, oh, also, at the very end of this, he's like, I'm starting to learn my lesson, because we're 38 minutes into the movie or whatever. And he's, it, the lesson that he's learned here is, huh, it turns out that babies are people too. What? Do people usually hate babies and need that lesson? <laughs> Is that, did Jimmy Stewart hate babies? I'm sure in the movie? he did. I'm sure in real life. No idea. Just, yeah. Well, I feel like the last two quantum leaps could have been doubled up with like a Susan Smith baby situation. Oh, shit. And they could have combined them and just taught us two lessons. I mean, just real quick. Mm, I agree. Wow. Efficient. All right, and I have to move away from that before Eli admits to a felony. And now... Teach your babies to swim. <laughs> we've got all the important fish baby stuff out of the way. And now he quantum leaps into Carly Fiorina. <laughs> he doesn't. The deleted scenes would be amazing in this movie. Um, but yeah, so instead he, he leaps into an elderly black woman. And I wrote in my notes, I bet this part won't be racist. David A.R. White movies are so tasteful in matters of race relations. Right. And she's asleep and the the her family is gathered around for her birthday and they decide to scream an old black woman awake. <laughs> That's too <laughs> fast. <laughs> All right, it looks like we're gonna have to wait to open that will for another couple of weeks. Damn. Let's hit her with a fire hose for old times. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, so they all tell her happy birthday. Everybody wanders off giving zero fucks about her. And then she has to wander into the kitchen so they can all like stand around and remind her of the importance of good family fun or whatever. Is it right? Is that what we're, it's, it's just black people talking. It's a montage of that. 
Yeah. He's learning a about montage. that. <laughs> a montage of black people talking. They were lit- the movie literally says to us, and then, you know, the black people all black people. Because <laughs> it's like, oh, they ain't won a game for 44 years. I love you, Grandma. I'm hungry. Happy birthday. Hands up. Don't shoot. Literally, the movie couldn't be bothered to give us a scene with African-Americans. No. So we get an African-American-esque montage. <laughs> I feel like there's better choices than this to learn things about being a black person. Like, yeah, he just wakes up as Trayvon. Bang! Like, all right, lesson, <laughs> lesson learned. Got it. Right back to sleep again. <laughs> Fuck yeah. him a fish again. So, yeah, so then he he has to pray uh, as the old black lady. And I would love to see the first dozen takes on this one. Somebody going like, David, stop doing the voice. Don't do the voice. Your voice, David. The stagehand holding Della Reese back the whole time. Guarantee the No, was- motherfucker. <laughs> Not today. <laughs> I guarantee this scene was the nutty professor in the first draft. Yeah, right. He's doing all of them. <laughs> and and then he bamps away again. But before we can find out where he's gone, uh, we head over to Tony talking to the ex-wife where she's like, have you seen Tony? And he goes, uh, uh, that depends. Just, I want to put a pin in that. Just keep in mind that that was his answer there. This is just, just one of He also yeah. mentions that he hasn't been himself lately. Oh, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, and she can't find him to give the divorce papers. That's what's happening here, right? Yeah, so she, right, right. He's the pastor at the church. She could just go there, and he, right? <laughs> I mean, does his body shut down and hibernate during the quantum leaps when he's well, somebody I, else? We eventually learn that he is wandering around as someone else, too. We'll get to it. But, yeah, there is a just regular him during this whole thing, too. So, yeah, right. So she gives... And, and I think this is how it works, right? Like, if you can't find someone to serve them with legal documents, you can just give them to someone else, and then you're done? <laughs> that counts. Okay, cool. That's what she does. Yeah, pass this note to so-and-so. Do you want to divorce me? Yes, no, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so then she leaves, and of course, he's got to look at the uh, camera and go, Oh, Rich, where are you, man? You know, so that we can... Say, yes, where indeed is he? We'll find out in the next scene, won't we? And this is when I looked down at the player on uh, on YouTube and I saw that I was only halfway through this piece of shit. So while I revisit that horror of a moment, we're going to pause for a quick break after I give Act 3 the hard sell here. Will this movie end with Tony taking a fish in a plastic bag to the divorce court proceedings? Why the fuck not? Find out the answer to these questions and more when we return for all seven conclusions of Me Again. Hi. I'm Tony D, and I'm Carl the Bugger Pentagon, and we're here for Christian Movie Beach Vacations. Longing to get away with your spouse or loved one, but you just can't seem to find the time? <laughs> Thanks, Carl. Well, never fear. We're here to help you out. We'll send you a full-color magazine-sized brochure of the exact same picture for every day for 25 years until the time comes for you to take the plunge. Oh, you said it, Tony. What we lose in printing costs, we make up for in customer loyalty. Christian movie beach vacations. One of these days, you'll go. Can you believe people say we sound alike? I don't hear it. Yeah, me neither. Hey, Tony, it's me. Chris, is that you? Yep, I'm a lady this time. A lady? That's crazy. Well, don't worry, buddy. We'll we'll figure out how to get you out of there. Hey, 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 hey. Uh, I didn't say that. You didn't say what? I just, 
Well, I'm thinking maybe I'll stay a lady for a while. Uh, dude, are you doing weird stuff to your lady body? No, no. I, I, I'm coming over there. I uh, don't. Uh, fine. Give me uh, like 20 minutes. Somebody order a pizza. Make it 30. And we're back for more of this shit. When we last left off, our hero was finished being Della Reese, and now he's going to live out Donald Trump's fantasy and wake up as his daughter's boyfriend. Yes. I mean, not just Donald Trump's fantasy. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) Let's not be judgy here on... God awful movie. <laughs> so, so yeah, we meet him. He's, he's like the mom comes in to bitch at him for sleeping all day. She's such a bitch. And then his daughter calls dying for the D. Dying, begging for the D. Yeah. My mom's going to be home in any minute. It takes you like three minutes. Come on, let's go. So, and, and it's, it's, he's not like, oh, not tonight, honey. I have a headache. He's like, yeah, no, I'll go fuck my daughter. All right, I'll be there in a minute. Damn it. What, I guess anything else probably would have been a better answer. Also, I want to point out that unlike all the other wacky costumes David R. White ends up being dressed in in this movie, David R. White is almost always dressed like a teenage boy, so he looks totally normal. Right? right. He's got a fucking Ed Hardy t-shirt. I hate him so much. Oh, I wanted him to look in the mirror and just start beating the shit out of himself. <laughs> And of course, while he's putting his shoes on, he comes across Colin's pile of nudie magazines. He goes, I knew you were trouble. I was like, I knew you were from the 50s. What the fuck are you doing? This movie was made in 2012. It's a Pan Am travel brochure next to your porn. What the fuck are you doing? (laughs) Anyway, so he goes to put his shoes on or whatever. And his mom comes in to bitch at him so that he can deliver the whole. You ever think you should have disciplined me more, mom? Kind of moment. Hey, when I get home, I want you to spank me. I'm going to go fuck my daughter. This movie is sexually complicated. <laughs> you know, at some point, somebody had to explain this to David A.R. White and the writer's like, no, David, you, you you know you can't. He's like, I'm not. I'm no, Seriously, you're, you're not even allowed to hint. I'm not. <laughs> so then he runs you out are. to that uh, awesome Camaro and the music is so loud. Yeah, this movie couldn't afford a nice Jeep. <laughs> Right? <laughs> did have the bass boost. That was a nice CD player. So yeah, so he runs off to fuck his daughter. He pulls up at the at the house. And again, he has one of those I forgot the plot of the movie moments. Mm-hmm. And it's so fucking awkward if you think about what's going on in this film. Yeah, he r- runs up and hugs these kids and he's like, hey, it's daddy. But I mean, uh-huh, but <laughs> it's one of those yes no's. No with a question mark. You know what I'm saying? This is not how dramatic irony works. You can't tell the characters the plot and then have them forget periodically. through. That's not how any of that works. So fucking bizarre. And of course, like they shoehorn this in. The, 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 he goes, he says to the kids, he's like, you guys are playing in that pile of wood. And he's like, well, our pussy fucking dad couldn't build us a playhouse. He's a bitch. And he's like, oh, yeah, I guess he is. And the little girl goes, you're not my dad. And he goes, well, how about a daddy-sized hug? <laughs> what? And if you would like your how about a daddy-sized hug t-shirt, we'll be giving <laughs> them away at ReasonCon. <laughs> we won't be giving away t-shirts or drugs. I'll be um, giving away t-shirts. <laughs> you will earn those t-shirts So a daddy-sized hug. <laughs> 
such a disappointment every time people meet me. I'm just like, oh, thanks so much for listening. Hey, all right. <laughs> You're supposed to suck my dick or something, are you? Sorry. Um, my wife. <laughs> so, yeah, so the daughter runs up, the, the older daughter, the one that he's going to fuck, she runs up and gives him a big hug, and then she tries to kiss him. <laughs> she gets tackled out of the frame by standards and practices. Yeah, right. <laughs> And then, okay, so they they drive off just as mom's pulling up. Then there's a quick establishing shot, which is really weird because we're just moving to them in the car that they just got in. We don't need to be reminded we're still in California. Right, but he's been driving for a while and he goes, so where are we going? It's like, where have you been driving? How long have you been driving? All right, here we are. It's Subway Sandwiches. No, not Subway Sandwiches. Damn. T, T, Time Warner Cable. Here we are. Zoom out, he's just been doing donuts in a parking lot that whole time. No, how tell me they, where we're going. How can they not know how driving works? But yeah, so first he, he she has to have a, oh, you're just like my dad moment, which is oddly sexual. Oh, um, Jesus, I was so erect. The crazy billionaire remake of this movie is A, very easy to make, and B, not appropriate for children. <laughs> <laughs> so, but this is where he finds out that she's taking, he he's supposed to be taking her to the doctor's office. And I thought, it was going to be for an abortion. Me too. Yep. I was really kind of hoping for the abortion moment. It's but very similar. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess so. It's, very it's identical to according to Hobby Lobby. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, the, the, but he's actually taking her there to get birth control pills. <laughs> and we have this a, a long comedy beat of dad freaking out about the daughter having safe sex. It's so good. <laughs> Taking care of your body. Antibiotics. <laughs> Birth control. Why don't you just murder a baby right now? <laughs> Do it don't... right now. He just jerks off into his hand. Go ahead. Stab this baby. <laughs> kill this baby. Are you serious? You know I'm going to jump into a baby's body right now. Why don't you kill me? Kill your dad and a baby all at once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he pulls the car over and jumps out and starts screaming about how she's grounded. Because again, he doesn't know the plot. Again. And I, yeah, I, 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 we can't. I know we keep coming back to this, but you need to understand. Like this movie does this. That's why we're describing it. It's not like we're just like, eh, and then no, no, no. This movie over and over again changes its mind about what David R. White knows and doesn't <laughs> know, and how he is or is not able to communicate with the other characters. It's fucking infuriating. No, it really is, and it's that's probably best exemplified in the very next scene where he goes back to the house to tell mom about the evil birth control. Right. But he knows he's in the kid's body and he doesn't open up with, look, I mean, this has got to be a hard thing to explain to somebody one way or the other, but the right way to explain it is to not start by freaking out and saying, no, I'm your husband. Look, <laughs> I could convince my wife, no matter what body I'm in, I just described the last three restaurants I crap my pants in and she'd be like, oh, you jump bodies. Also, you're gross. All right, let's get you to a doctor or something. It's a good thing. You crap yourself so often that people wouldn't know that. Yeah, I remember Olive Garden. That was really embarrassing. I also I also have to feel like uh like the mom would not need a lot of convincing to fuck this kid. Yeah. I wanted him to be like, no, I'm your husband. She was like, You're probably right. Girk, girk. <laughs> he was like, Wow, you're even easier to convince than Tony. Yeah, sure I was. All right, here's the thing. I'm gonna give you a belt. My safe word doesn't exist. Look at me, Colin. Look at me. 
my safe word doesn't exist. I'm going to say a lot of no words and I don't want you to listen. Oh, wait, stop a second. You see that? That was a test, Colin. That was a test. And you failed by stopping. Two for flinching. So, uh, so now he goes over to see Tony, still as Colin, still as the boyfriend, so that we can get the amazing title drop where he comes in and says, it's me again. Oh, that's the name of the movie. And so, and, and this is also, so he goes in and he starts bumming around with Tony about how terrible the whole thing is. And this is where he explains, Tony explains that the real him is still walking around out there somewhere. And I'm right. like, was the fish in it? Is that where everyone else goes? <laughs> the fish is in his body. Just him preaching. <laughs> uh, Pastor, why are you taking a long, ropey poop as you walk back and forth across the stage? Don't get me wrong. This is the best sermon you've done in a while. <laughs> Just looking for pointers. <laughs> Oh shit. And of course they have to have the like, why would you still be my friend if I suck so bad conversation? And it's because when he was in college, David A.R. White drove to him and saved his life two, three, by introducing him to Jesus. <laughs> to Jesus, yeah. Oh, and again, it's one of these just very awkward, like I think they caught these guys between takes and just used at moments <laughs> where they're like, Oh, what a couple of fucking losers we are, huh? Cut. Oh man, nope. no cut. No. <laughs> he even says at one point, he's like, but Tony, when is this going to end? Like he's channeling me at this point. And then Tony's still channeling me. says, things are going to get a lot worse before they get better. Yeah. <sighs> Tony actually says, you might not like yourself very much, but you're a great person. And I wrote in my notes, words David A.R. White wrote for someone to say to him. <laughs> <laughs> Say it like you mean it. And then there's a surprise tiger. Okay, so what the fuck <laughs> happened here? So this is so amazing. You this you can you can find this movie for free on YouTube. And I, I assume this is some way of getting around like the, the bots that check to see if you're putting I, I don't know. But all of a sudden at this point in the movie, there's a cartoon singing tiger for like 90 seconds and then not. Okay. Okay. I streamed this on Amazon. And did not see the surprise tiger, but I watched this fucking scene 85 times because Noah and Heath had surprise tiger in their notes. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're like me and you watch this any other way, welcome to the club. I was like, what the fuck are they talking? And I didn't want to ruin it. And I was like, oh, it's probably a joke. I'm really going to love. No. I just missed out on Surprise Cartoon Tiger. Oh, my I God, dude. I am furious. It was the best part of the movie. I fucking died. I Every David A.R. White movie should have a cartoon singing tiger at the most emotionally charged moments in the movie. And most of the other moments. Would be yeah, great. right, right. Now we're talking about it. Because it happens just as Tony's giving him the divorce papers. It's like, here's your divorce papers. I'm a little tiger singing a song. It was amazing. I oh, love that I'm so mad. much. I'm real jealous. You're going to have, I'll send it to you with a time That'd stamp. be a great process server, a singing cartoon tiger. <laughs> Andrew, <laughs> get on it. <laughs> but yeah, so, but now he's got to go back home and save his marriage. But of course, he's still in the kid body and doesn't seem to realize that now. Again, he doesn't yeah. realize, even though he just, again, even though he just realized it with his friend, like two seconds ago, <laughs> he now has no idea and decides he's going to like win his wife back 
in in a teenage boy's body. Yeah. What? I don't. Yeah. So and he's driving too fast. So the cops are following him and yeah. then he runs out of the car. And I'm like, if he was black, they'd have killed him by now. <laughs> but they didn't because he's right. white. And I wrote um, in my notes. OK, see, now this is how I would treat a teenage boy's body. I, I mean, a, a teenage boy's body that I was inside. I don't know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean. So, yeah. So he just he runs to the house and he's screaming and yelling, "April, I love you." That's the wife's name. April, April, I love you. And then the cops wrestle him to the ground. And the cop says, "Well, ma'am, that about wraps it up." And I wrote, "I should be so lucky." Yeah. No, not yeah. even fucking close. There's also this weird moment where the cop is like, "Yeah, well, sounds like he just really loves your daughter, April." And she's like, "That's me." And he's like, "I mean, sure." Or you? No, I get that. Transition. <laughs> so now we cut to him spending the night in county bitching about what a terrible life he has. And this is where we meet Big Earl, who is his cellmate and playing a harmonica and fucking with him. Yeah. You know how they often introduce the ex machina character nine tenths of the way through the movie to tell the main <laughs> character to fuck himself and never appear again? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's how just, much Bruce McGill they could afford. <laughs> just for the record, uh, locked in a jail cell and stuck inside a teenage boy while uh, Big Earl plays the harmonica. That's the name of this scene. That's what's <laughs> right yeah, so he gives him some words of wisdom or whatever and then fucks off going like, I was in Lincoln, bitches. I don't need this shit. We'll, we'll let you play the harmonica and everything. Uh, same amount as my lines. Yeah, same amount as your lines. Because <laughs> I really want people to buy my CD. Yeah, yeah, no, we'll put your CD on the screen. Which, whatever you want, Bruce. All right, fine. He's like, well, if you're so smart, what are you doing hanging out in prison? And Big Earl goes, oh, I like it in jail. I'm just like, oh, do you? Do you, Big Earl? But the message is that people in desperate situations are the easiest to sell on religion. He's yeah, like, no, he admits it. Yep, that's exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, and he wanders off, and, and that's where David A. R. Wright realizes he was a magic Jesus angel or whatever. And then he looks at the fucking camera, he goes, so this is what rock bottom feels like. Coming from a man with no cum on his face, no tracks in his arms, and shoes. Fuck you, dude, you have no idea. Well, <laughs> I'm just glad to know that I've hit rock bottom. <laughs> Several times. <laughs> I mean, it's I wasn't all in a uphill or boy. possibly right back down to that <laughs> level from here. Yeah. Wanted to take a travel brochure out of his pocket. Okay. This is rock bottom. <laughs> I really want to go there. <laughs> but then he bamps away again. And this time he wakes up in his own bedroom. Now, based on the decorum, I started to write. And now he wakes up as an old Asian lady. But no, that's just his bedroom. <laughs> no, but it turns out his daughter wanders in. But no. He's his wife. Yeah. Yeah. We sh yeah. And by the way, I would spend the whole time masturbating for her, not just for yeah. me. Yeah. The daughter's like, uh, can you tell me a story? And I said, no, don't tell her a story. Find a carrot or a massage one, please. <laughs> I've earned this movie. Right? It's episode 79. <laughs> I would happily watch David A.R. White ride a Sibian if it cross cuts with Elliot Lansing. <laughs> In a mirror, riding a Sibian. There is no if necessary in that sentence just like for me. Him naked in a mirror, fighting her vagina with his dick, like sort of <laughs> barking at it. Yeah, yeah. But instead, 
She tells the kids a story and we have to sit through that. Fuck you, movie. And here's the story. There were two farm boys. One wanted to be rich, but eventually he went home. The end. That's a stupid fucking story. A stupid, stupid story. And the kid tells us, asks the student, he's like, and they had a big party. And she's like, was there cake and a piano? And I wanted him to be like, shut up, Ruby. You're the worst. But the key is that now he, I love because you spelled the me, 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 me. And I was like, what the fuck up is up? But now I know. And that's awesome. Now I know what that means when I see it spelled out. But the key here is that now he gets the story of the prodigal son. So that he didn't get when he was doing the thing before. Uh also, for those wondering when my wife walked out of this movie, Anna became obsessed in this scene uh, for the first time ever, paused a movie I was watching and asked me where the people whose body he takes over go and gave me like a 25 minute fan theory about like them being in his body and do they die? And I was just like, you're overthinking this Christian movie. Nobody has thought this hard. She walked out of the room to go write her own Christian movie. But this oh, good. Okay, awesome. Awesome. I can't wait to review it. Um, and, and so then he has to get up and make breakfast for the youngins. And the daughter wants to talk about the near fucking with her boyfriend and whatnot. And this is also where where he burns the pancakes. Yeah. Well, but, they burst into flames. Well, right, right. Exactly. He nukes the pancakes. <laughs> what? How bet you can't. <laughs> yeah. So the pancakes catch on fire. So they go to Uncle Tony's for breakfast. This is the fourth time this family will have eaten at this restaurant in the last three days twice for breakfast. This Ugh. restaurant makes no sense, and everyone on the staff hates this fucking family. That's why they keep serving them tripe and shit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's interesting, though, that, like, for the first time in this movie, he's truly happy. Like, yeah. like all of all the bodies he's been in, he's like, no, I can be a woman. I'm happy as a woman. I feel comfortable here. Keep me out of a bathroom. Sorry, I'm going through a lot right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so then he goes to Tony and he's like, now, Tony, now it's me and I'm me again. Again, they do the plot thing. Um, and and he's like, what if this was a movie? What would have to happen now for me to get out? And Tony says, well, now you would have to face your enemy and defeat him. The enemy within. And I'm like, mirror match. Yes. That's what I <laughs> wanted so badly for him to have to fight himself in face to face combat. But no. <laughs> he's no. got to take himself to divorce court. Yeah. Yeah. So and then he's like, "Hey Tony, you mind watching the kids for the rest of the movie? We really don't have a part for them from here on." And Tony's like, "Yeah, of course." And so he goes, "This ends today." And I'm like, "Well, at least the movie can promise me that, I guess." <laughs> Turns out that's wrong. By the way, we will go through an entire other day of this shit. You so yeah, to me, movie, you broke my heart. <laughs> so now we have to go to the courthouse so he can argue with himself, and also so we can get the showing up late to court cliche. Yeah, all courtrooms should have like really slow automatic doors just to make it awkward for people to burst in and like this. <laughs> That'd be fun. Movie courthouses at least. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Your Honor. Uh, sorry. Uh, just, your, just, your Honor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> your, Hold on. Okay. I can get like my it. arm through. How's it going backwards? Your, <laughs> your Honor. I would like. God damn it. Gee, it, it only opens. Uh, sorry. I got to turn sideways. I have a bunch of <laughs> letters in the hall, but none of them are going to fit through here. <laughs> I, uh... So yeah, so the so the wife walks up to him. Now this is him walking up to himself or whatever, and he says the, his opening line here is, "You're a man of the cloth in a divorce court. You don't even believe in divorce." And I felt like that was a subtle way of explaining why he's still fucking Andrea despite all the God's not dead money. 
Also, quick question. Uh, maybe we need Andrew for this. Are you allowed to just yell at the other side for 10 to 15 <laughs> minutes before the court proceedings start in a divorce? I understand that's only an arbitration. Nope. Ah, so, yeah. See. Yeah. So, but no, of course, obviously, because the judge has no issue with it whatsoever. He just lets him yell at him for Not a while. Just, he doesn't just let him. He, she gives a speech and she's like, it's about being the best you, you can be. And the judge is like, that's a pretty good argument. And yeah, no, it isn't. It's a lame ass <laughs> bumper sticker. But yeah, yeah. The judge is like, the judge's part in this is to go, oh, no, she didn't. <laughs> remember when Jimmy Stewart beats himself in court in It's a Wonderful Life? That's always a fun part. I remember yeah. envisioning that. Yeah. Um, so Clarence, yeah. I got overruled. I and, got overruled, Clarence. <laughs> I talked this way because I had terrible PTSD <laughs> and beat and almost murdered my wife. <laughs> Not a lot of people know that about me. <laughs> it's true. Google me. So the um, so the judge finally asks after the whole monologue is over. He's like, are you saying you want to withdraw your petition for divorce? And she's saying, and he says, uh, she, he, whatever. He says, I'm saying happiness is a choice. And I so wanted him to go like, oh, my cousin Vinny, you know, <laughs> the next words out of your mouth are going to be either yes or no, but no. I think... I get the point. <laughs> God, Jesus, there are still 20 minutes left in this fucking movie. Yeah, so my notes at this point were just, yeah, that's how court works. And then he walks off. So they <laughs> he just walks off. <laughs> yeah. And the judge, she's the divorce petitioner. And the judge is like, well, she probably still wants a divorce. Postpone for 30 days. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all of that works. Yeah. So then we cut to that night proving the movie was lying when it said this ends today. And he's looking over a family photo. And the photo is amazing, by the way. Oh, it's so good. It's obviously a real photo of a time in David A.R. White where he was like, let's let the hair really go. It's really <laughs> like he snuck away from his mom and got into Hot Topics dye section. <laughs> and I want to point out that at this point in the movie, like we know there are two hymns and we were just with both of them in the courthouse. So we don't know which hymn this is yet. But it's the him, him, in case and you're he's curious. at the church, which is where you would think the not him, him would be. Right. Yeah. What if he runs into him, him? But yeah, exactly. So, and, and I'm also writing in the notes, like, where the fuck are the kids at this point? Just, it's the middle of the night. Did you just leave them at Tony's restaurant <laughs> overnight? Yeah. They just have long tubes filled with marinara sauce funneling them <laughs> like fucking foie gras hellscape. Yeah, but I guess this is where he has to, like, pray himself back into his own body. And this is where, like, David A.R. White really goes for it, his capital A acting moment here. Mm -hmm. and, and, of course, it's in the form of promising God that he'll rejoice more if God will stop fucking with him. Right. So it's the light at the door again. Yeah, and there's still 16 minutes in this fucking movie. Ugh. This is the last two minutes of a movie. This acts like the last two minutes of a movie. But yeah, we still got 16 fucking minutes. So yeah, now we're a week earlier and this is just Tony bringing him the movies that he was going to bring him at the beginning. Right. This movie <laughs> is like someone put a Christmas Carol and It's a Wonderful Life in a blender. <laughs> and made a shitty movie instead. Yeah. Right, so, so he finally sees Tony. He's trying to like establish that he's in reality, that he woke up from a dream or whatever. And he's, he's like, Tony, it's me. And Tony's like, yeah. Yeah. All right. So tell me what you see. He's like uh, a failed actor. Yeah. All right. Fuck you, cut. <laughs> Get asshole. Fuck Read you. The script. 
He said the deleted scenes from this would be awesome. So yeah, so now we have to have him explain the plot of this movie to Tony for like the third time in this movie, the same character. And again, like you can cut to the end of this, you know, right? You can cut to David saying, and then I woke up here and Tony going, man, that's pretty hard to believe, but for the purposes of this last, but no, we sit through the explanation again. He also references a Christmas carol here. Oh, does he? Yeah. Oh, this is what I thought you meant by best worst homage where he goes, uh, could he have done it all in one knife? I suppose he's God. He can do anything. And even the movie's like, don't do that bullshit. Don't. Oh, yeah. Into this. <laughs> That's don't don't make Charles a part of your. Shitty <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no. I was talking about the amazing quantum leap uh, homage. Um, oh, but yeah. 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 No, that was a pretty good one, too, I guess. So and then this scene ends, too, with him going like, man, I got to fix my marriage. I've got a plan. <laughs> and it cuts out. What? Why can't we hear that? You're going to reveal it right now. The movie's almost over. We know it's almost over. It's going to like no. the very next the beginning of the next scene is the reveal for that secret. Also, yeah. if you're talking to someone alone in the room, why start to whisper your plan? <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys, here's what we're going to do next week on scathing. We're no, nope, nope, just tell us we're all. <laughs> this is called conversation. So now it's time for the playhouse building montage, because. This is the last thing we had not seen in montage form, I guess. And we're supposed to believe he's been kicked out of this house. Yeah. He doesn't live here anymore. So in the middle of the night, he breaks into his home and without waking his wife or children, cuts wood with a circular <laughs> saw. <laughs> well, he does a bunch of uh, tool stuff that he's he's never touched a single one of these tools in reality. He's no. just like spinning a socket wrench for no reason. He's... <laughs> Slapping screws with the side of a wood saw, trying to figure. <laughs> no, no, none of this. Yeah, he probably didn't know they made noise. Yeah, so yeah, somehow he manages to build a playhouse in the middle of the night with power tools without awakening anyone. Um, and his wife wakes up to the sound of him playhousing out back. Oh, he set up a tea party just like at the beginning of the movie. Also, with Chinese lanterns as the lighting. Yeah, weird, weird gauche touch. Weird pure ones. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I built this a playhouse and then I got everything for it inside Pier One Imports. <laughs> Apparently Eli had like black servants in his playhouse as a kid. Much classier. And they were taken from me. <laughs> Noah gets it. <laughs> that was an old, old joke, by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we want to be clear on that. Um, so yeah, so now their marriage is fixed. He built a playhouse. Yep. Pretty much does it. And I just want to say it's good to know I can neglect my wife and my children and build a playhouse and have some tea to make it all up because I spend most of my life on Twitter and watching these movies. So I just back pocketed that. I want to say <laughs> there is a bright side to this job. It's good to have a little lumber just hanging around just in case you ruin your marriage. Yeah. And the kids come out and the daughter goes, I dreamed you would come home. And I wrote in my notes, never listen to the dreams of someone you aren't fucking. You have to fuck your daughter now for a variety of reasons. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So apparently the reason we're not out of this yet is that now he needs to go and fix the lives of all the people whose bodies he was in throughout the movie. Right. So we start with the rich gangster guy, which he so sets this up like an assassination. Absolutely. There's no yeah. question. I thought he was going to pull out a silenced pistol and shoot him in the face. 
Well, like if you just watched this scene, you would have no reason not to believe that David A.R. White was about to assassinate this old guy. Yeah, he's just sitting there in the limo. I wanted him to be like passed out from sitting there too long with the window shut. <laughs> would have been fun. So yeah. sweaty. He's got under boob sweat. And he's like, take me seriously, though. This is perfectly. Now, actually, people who work out tend to sweat more. I don't know yes. if you know that. More easily. So, yeah, so he's here to save this guy's soul because he's going to die of a heart attack soon. And he keeps saying, like, believe me, you're going to die very, very soon. You know, it's like, dude, be specific. Yeah. Be, if, I, there's no reason to take this as anything other than a threat. <laughs> and Frank, the rich guy's like, all right, fucking relax. You sound like that Moulinon maid I have. And he's just like, okay, well. That was racist. That was racist. You should come visit my white church, though. Here's a business card. That's what happens. And then he has to go see Colin. Yep. And he has handcuffed and gagged this teenager in his sleep. Okay. On, on camera this time. I was not sure that uh, I was going to ask you guys like did we watch the same copy I didn't want to start talking about it till I was sure yep that's that's it he's in a teenage boy's bedroom and he's handcuffed the kid and shoved a sock in his mouth yeah yeah no. to give him a talk and and he explains that those girls and and like Colin of course starts to struggle because he's being kidnapped uh and he's like uh, 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 don't resist or i'll tell your parents about your porn magazines and i wanted to spit out the sock and be like you handcuffed a child oh that's true mine is worse yeah right mine yes exactly mine's a felony yeah yeah no, yours is a you'd, you'd have to go around and tell your neighbors about it for the rest of your life yes if you sue me i'm just gonna jump into your body and forgive myself so <laughs> But the kid doesn't say any of that. He's like really taking it in stride that he's handcuffed and gagged. He's just doing the scene normal. He's a good yeah. kid. My kind of kid. Team player. Yeah. And and so he starts and, and of course he uses the porno magazines to like to 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 get into the conversation about how Colin doesn't respect women and thinks of them as objects because of these magazines and that music that you listen to. And I wanted him so bad to just say, so if you're into objectifying women, why not try the Bible? Yeah, I mean, you literally get to keep them like objects, Colin. Let me read you some Deuteronomy, buddy. Tell me, if they ever do, tell me if they ever stone women on the doorstep in your magazines. They do? All right, you got them from Eli. Well, I don't know what to tell you, man. That's, it's like one out of a thousand. Most people are really edged Usually out that shit. works. And then he tells him, he goes to leave and he's like, oh, by the way, the keys are in the sock. I'm like, oh, you knew what he did to those socks. <laughs> So, th so then he heads down to uh, meet with the fam down at uh, Uncle Tony's restaurant. We have to see that for the 11th time. I'm sorry. All my notes are time counts now. There are still seven goddamn minutes in this movie. Anyway, and right. all the kids are tired of Tony's bullshit food. Right. They go, we don't like eating here. And he goes, you know what? Me neither. And they do like a laugh to a freeze frame at the end of a TV show, except <laughs> the movie continues. They're just like, ah, ha, 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 ha. uh, so now what happens <laughs> in the movie? Yes. Oh, and then, of course, he has to steal the fish from Tony, too. He has to fix the fish's life because yeah, it's says, unhappy. He says, you people don't know how to take care of fish. What? <laughs> you people? Like Italians? <laughs> what does that mean? Oh, let's so start racist. that piece of racism. Italians are terrible pet owners. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you need to start that one. 
Um, and and now we have to move over to uh, to uh, tie up the Bill and Maggie thread. That was the couple with the baby. And I'm writing in my notes like a well written movie can tie off multiple storylines in one scene. This movie, however, is eleven closing parentheses in a row. Yeah, it really is. And this scene is terrible. He brings the parents in and he's like, look, so I know you were worried about money last time, but butterfly kisses and snuggles and cuddles and all right. That's it. That's all I got. That's uh, <laughs> that is uh, how I plan to convince you not to be worried about money anywhere. And now that it comes out of my mouth, I feel stupid. <laughs> Have a calculator. Literally how that fucking scene goes. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Yeah, right. Well, he breaks down. He's like, it costs this much money, and that's this much money a minute. And would it be worth a dollar a minute to get butterfly kisses and blah, blah, blah? And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, Eli charges me four ninety five, so no, that's good. I'll have a baby. Yeah, um, let's see that baby do butterfly kisses the way I do. Oh, it's... <laughs> <laughs> I challenge that baby to a butterfly kiss off. <laughs> I'm really tired of saying that on this show. I'm tired of hearing you say that on the show, actually. Yeah, yeah. So I also wanted him to close off by going, also, Maggie, give that poor kid some tit. It's better for him. It's good for their immune system. Um, so now we can catch back up with the beginning where, you know, if, if you recall, he was reading this movie script to the parishioners at the beginning. And this scene starts off with him going, I once heard at the end of every great story, the hero must make a speech. I'm like, yeah, at the end of this story, too. Yeah. Apparently. And he says, I guess this was mine. And that's it. Yeah. That's the end of his speech. Like Webster's Dictionary defines lazy and trite as what just happened. <laughs> <laughs> that was my speech. Yeah. So, but, it, but it, the movie still is going to go on for four goddamn minutes so he can talk about how wonderful life is, you know, and, and as we do, we see how he fixed everyone else's life. Like yeah. he got Della Reese a cryptic note and an eyeglass chain. So her life is now fixed. An eyeglass chain that says eyeglass chain on it. Yes. <laughs> Just so we know. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, she's wowed by the miracle of tying glasses to a string. And then we have to go to Andrea Logan White, who gets her note that he left her that says, yeah, you're not that bad. You're right. you're, you're OK. So she instantly is fine. Her terrible mental illness that has covered her home in self-destructive post-it notes, she doesn't need those anymore. She just takes them all down. <laughs> yeah, well, and when she does, she finds, like, uh, a picture of her family that says, call home. So she calls home. Now her life is fixed. She might have memento disease, and that plot just gets left out. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted Siri to be like, you're still the worst. <laughs> you can take those down. Still hate you. So she calls the mom and I wanted her to be like, hey, mom, it's me. Nope. Still doing porn. Yeah. Mostly animals. Okay, I'll put, I'll put those notes back up. I'm, I'm doing it. I'll add one not to take the notes down. Thank you. But no, we just get, hey, mom, and her life is fixed. We have to assume from that point that her life is just fine. And then we finish off with the two kids from the beginning, right? We, we met them when they were five years old at the beginning. And now we have to go back to that scene so that we can learn that, like, I guess when the girl was five years old, they were betrothed by Big Earl. And this is where we really learn just how little English skills this little boy has. I mean, that kid could be Russian. I have no fucking idea what he was saying. 
he's basically like, so did you get your spacecraft in that? All right. Well, this was your make-a-wish. And <laughs> David or White side tackles the kid. Quick, get him back in a hospital bed. <laughs> so the moral of this story, I guess, and, and most of David A.R. White's filmography you're less of a loser than an objective assessment of your life would suggest. I wonder why he keeps finding himself in those films. The moral of this story and what my therapist keeps telling me. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I feel like as bad as this movie was, it was still fixable. So I want to wrap this thing up by doing a quick rewrite. Who would David A.R. White have had to leap into at the end of this movie to make it great? Oh, uh, Chelsea Manning. <laughs> I, that. Uh, I was going to go with like a, a, a mind slave, you know, like in Ethiopia somewhere, just some kid that has to bring a certain amount of gold a day or like cut off his toes and fingers. Then he jumps back into his real life and he's just like, huh, oh, uh, I guess I'll send a glasses chain <laughs> for his fingers. Uh, that was the most <laughs> fucked up thing about this whole movie is that it was like, you know, he was just like this guy with no problems worried about all of his fucking problems. But then even to show him what his problems were, they still didn't put him into anyone with problems. Yep. That was <laughs> like this movie doesn't even know what problems would be like, how you would know when they arose, apparently. <sighs> all right. Eleven down. The next one we do is David A.R. White, number a dozen. And well, that's going to do it for our review of me again. That's not going to do it for the episode just yet because we still need to moisten you up for next week. So, Eli, tell us what's on deck. Held for ransom. Let, let me read you guys the description from IMDb. All right. This movie's from 1976. And here's the description. Kidnapped, blindfolded, transported in the trunk of a car. This is the true story of a Christian woman who experienced the peace and grace through her abduction that only Christ can give. <laughs> I thought you were going to say the true story of Eli Bosnick. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. That should be fun. I wonder if the kidnappers give her an eyeglass chain. Oh, I, I have to tell you, I so I scroll through these movies just to make sure that they're like Christian and that they're all there on YouTube and all that kind of stuff. And one of the scenes I stopped and a guy goes, you sure you're not scared? And she goes, I suppose I would be if it weren't for Christ. So it's going to be a great movie. Is what awesome. I'm saying. It's going to be a and great movie. 70s shorts and 70s hair the whole time. So even if it oh, sucks. Absolutely. I also flipped through the movie a little bit. Every single character looks like they're in one of the plot scenes in porn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Right. So with that to look forward to, we'll bring episode 79 to a merciful close. Once again, a huge thanks to all the Patreon donors that help make the show go. If you'd like to count yourself among their ranks, you can make a per-episode donation at patreon.com slash godawful and thereby earn early access to an ad-free version of every episode. You can also help us out a ton by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes and by sharing the show on all your various social media platforms. And if you enjoyed this show, be sure to check out our sibling shows, The Scathing Atheist and The Skeptic Right, available on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever else podcasts live. If you have questions, comments, or cinematic suggestions, you can email godawfulmovies at gmail.com. All the music used in this episode was written and performed by Ryan Slotnik of Evil Drafts and Mars and was used with permission. If you like what you hear, hear more by following the link on the show notes for this episode. Thanks again for giving us a chunk of your life this week. For Heath Enright and Eli Bosnick, I'm No Illusions, promise to work hard to earn another chunk next week. Until then, we'll leave you with the Breakfast Club close. Mr. Bastion died of a heart attack while yelling ethnic slurs during a Trump rally. Briar learned her lesson and kept only giving Colin the ass in the mouth. 
Richard went to jail for handcuffing and gagging a teenage boy to threaten him about sex with his daughter. They're not allowed to do Nine, Nine ten. ten. What was that? <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Are you complaining about my counting on my side? <laughs> no. What was that last noise? Oh, that was 10. Heath laughing at your. your oh, okay. Because um, what I heard counting. was like. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a lot of good laughs. You you have to unlock them. They're like uh, they're like Pokemon. They evolve. <laughs> Right. I don't know anything about Pokemon, so I don't really know if that made sense. They do evolve. Evolve's true. a word that I think makes sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know about the same amount. <laughs> you gotta throw your cum at them. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's that's what that's how I thought it worked. Yeah, exactly. Hi. So I wrote a sec. This I wrote is my third favorite sc- thing. This is my favorite thing. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm muting. I, I'm muting. I wrote. It. I wrote a third sketch, <laughs> so we don't need this, but it's here. I love it. I love it beyond belief. <laughs> Even if it's just for me, I want to hear it. But yes, we will both be muting our mics on this one. The preceding podcast was a production of Puzzle and a Thunderstorm, LLC. Copyright 2017. All rights reserved.